Today I have the good pleasure of continuing in a series that we started a few weeks ago called The Blessed Life. This is really, really important to God and you're going to figure out why today. Uh, how many of you know that there's some very practical things when it comes to the area of money that we can do uh, and finances, very practical th- sense, but how many of you have ever felt like your finances have been under spiritual attack? You're like, oh my goodness, I feel like... Something is going on more than just me being practical. It just feels like, man, hell is coming against my finances. Well, I want to, I want to, uh, you to, and we're going to kind of unpack this today, um, that there is a very practical element connected to finance, okay? Like this. Do not spend more than you make <laughs> unless you work in government. Then you can make $50,000 a year, spend $80,000 a year, and borrow $200,000 a year. Let's see how long that works. That was free. It wasn't in my notes. There is some very practical ideas uh, concerning money. Don't spend more than you make, okay? Hello. All right? You ready for that? But there's also a very spiritual nature to money that the church has to understand. And that God wants the church to understand. There's a reason why there's over 2,000 scriptures on money in the Bible. And people get mad when you talk about money. But they really need to take it up with Jesus because he talked a lot about money. And what it's connected to. That there is not only a very practical element to it, but a very spiritual element too. So today I want to speak to you a message called Breaking the Spirit of Mammon. Breaking the spirit of mammon. Mammon is a, is a word that Jesus, uh, it is recorded that four times in the New Testament. One of them is a repeat. So Jesus said this word, mammon, specifically three times and one time it's repeated. So in your Bibles, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 6 and also uh, mark a place in Luke chapter 16, just... Uh, just do that. Now, if you don't have a Bible here today, that's okay. We will put them on the screen for you. So Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to begin today. And if you have your notes, you should take notes. Um, there's place for you to fill in a few things, whatever the Holy Spirit speaks to you. But we're going we're gonna to answer three questions today. And we're going to look at what this... Break, looking into breaking this spirit of mammon. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24 says this. No one, that means all of us, right? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and Mammon. You cannot do it. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now let's look at the other passage where this, where this word mammon is used and we'll start to, to unpack this today together. Luke chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 9. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, and I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, and it's not in here, but the next verse says, Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, also heard all these things, and they derided him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask, Lord, for you to release in this room a spirit of wisdom and revelation. 
Lord, we need revelation in this area. We need to look into your scripture and see something we never saw before so that we can experience a freedom we've never possessed before. I ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would speak so clearly today that every word would accomplish the very thing that you sent it to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Notice that it says, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot do it. So don't try to figure out how you can serve God and mammon. But first, before we get there, we have to answer this question. What is mammon? What is mammon? It's not a common word in our uh, language today. So we need to understand it. Mammon is an Aramaic word that means riches. Mammon is an Aramaic word that means riches. Now, here's what you need to understand, though. It became a common word, mammon, because in Syria, the god of riches... His name is Mammon. So it's not only, it doesn't just mean money, it actually means a spirit that an entire culture committed their money and wealth to. And a God that they placed trust in, in the area of riches. Now, That word mammon and that Syrian God came from one big culture that when you read the scripture, that's probably Jesus calling. (laughs) Answer, please open the door. Um, (laughs) That Syrian God named mammon was in a culture called, it came from a culture and a city And a kingdom called Babylon. It came from a culture called Babylon. Now, the great thing about uh, Babylon is some of you uh, understand a little bit about Babylon. If you don't, I'm going to try to uh, tell you a little bit about it without going to that story in the Old Testament. There was actually a time and a season where everybody on the earth actually spoke all the same language. And it was during that time that those people got together and they had an idea that they would actually build a tower to heaven. They would build a tower to heaven to reach God. It was in that moment that God came down and confused them and gave them separate language. Okay? Hence the term Babel. The word Babel means confusion. Babylon literally means sown in confusion. It means sown in confusion. So there's a God of wealth or riches in an atmosphere called sown in confusion. I want to ask you a question today. Has there been any other topic that the church has struggled more over than this this issue of wealth and riches? It's because we're trying to mix kingdoms. We're trying to mix kingdoms. And they don't mix. And God doesn't want us as sons and daughters... To be walking in a spirit of confusion. You see, the greatest confusion about the Tower of Babel is that those people actually thought that they could get to, get to heaven apart from God. That is a prideful, arrogant spirit that says we don't need God. It is a prideful, humanistic spirit that says we can forego God's way of doing things and still get All of the benefits. I want to tell you today that we cannot. 
We have to do it God's way. God says there is one way to heaven. His name is Jesus. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. But in that Babylonian humanistic system, it said this. It says, I can get to God and I can have the benefits of heaven apart from God. And God said, no, you can't. And I want to tell you something, that mammon is a prideful, arrogant spirit that says, we don't need God, we just need money. It says, we don't need God, we just need money. See, mammon is a spirit that rests on money. I'm going to make a very bold statement to you. That maybe some of you will wrestle with, but I hope that the wrestling match will come to an end. All money has a spirit on it. It either has the spirit of mammon on it, or it has the spirit of God on it. The way you get the spirit of God on it is by giving God the first portion of it, and then he blesses the rest. Which makes Malachi make all the sense in the world. Which actually says, I will rebuke the devourer for your name's sake. I will actually bless the rest. The Spirit of God will be on it. And He rebukes the devourer, not us. He said, I will rebuke the devourer. That means I set up guard over finance in your life. When you bring to Him and return to Him what rightfully belongs to Him. You set aside that first portion. The tenth. Now listen. God blesses the rest out from under the influence of mammon. It has God's spirit on it. Now listen, you have to get this in your heart. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and money. Many believers... Despise God. Listen to me carefully. They despise God because they've been loyal to Mammon. Some uh, maybe maybe some of you have felt the influence of this spirit. Here's how you know: you go through a little bit of financial testing. You feel like you're going through something, and you know what you do? You turn your face to heaven and go, God, why are you doing this? If you get angry at God when you suffer a financial loss, you've been loyal to mammon. And God's exposing something. God's exposing something. I want, I want, I want you to know that sometimes when you live in a little bit of a, more of a depressed area, man, it's worse. It's not, it's not worse necessarily in areas that are more uh, affluent. It's actually the opposite of what you would naturally think. It's more rampant in areas where there's less money. Here's what I mean. Mo- I, I, I think I grew up under the spirit of mammon, under the influence of the spirit of mammon. But here's what it looked like. Um, as a kid, my dad was a very, very, very hard worker. He was an iron worker. He was in an iron working union. He was also a, in the carpenter's union. And... Uh, uh, I was born a, a couple of years ago, and, um, and there was a lot of building going on in America during that time, and a real need for for skilled iron workers. I mean, he worked on high rises. There was a lot of building going on in America during the late 70s into the 80s. There was a lot of a financial explosion that he was a part of, but as a result of him being a part of that all over the United States, he wasn't home a lot. And so when he would come home, uh, he would actually do this. He would collect the change of his whole trip. So he would be gone maybe three, four months at a time on a job, and then he would just collect the change. And there was my, myself and my two younger sisters and we'd pile all that money uh, together and then we'd separate it out and we had these plastic teddy bears for um, saving the money right and so we'd fill those things up fill those things up fill those things up with all that little bit of you know change and there would be you know I don't know he would probably give us 10 or 15 dollars worth of change each 
you know, so it was, it was a mighty blessing to us. Uh, but, you know, um, I figured something out, okay? There was this little place, and I don't know if any of you have ever heard of one of these, but I grew up in a really small community uh, in the middle of Florida called Willow Oak, okay? And there was this place about, it was like two or three miles away walk from my house called the Magic Market. And at the Magic Market, they sold, man, some of you are going to get so thirsty, they sold 16-ounce glass bottles of Coca-Cola before they had to call it classic with that whole mess-up of changing it and then changing it back. And in my house, in my house, you could drink water. And there was a note on the milk that said, Do not drink the milk. It's for breakfast. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But I knew three miles down the road there was something I wanted, right? And so what I did is I carved a little hole in my plastic piggy bank, you know, put a little piece of duct tape down there. And anytime I got thirsty, this is what I thought. I'm going to the bank, I'm getting that. And and I, I pull out a few little coins and then I start a three-mile walk by myself. Don't dare try this, kids, okay? Don't do, don't do this now. I would go barefoot, walk three miles. One time it cost me a lot of stitches in the bottom of my foot because I stepped on a broken bottle. <laughs> I walked in the store bleeding. The, war, the woman wasn't concerned about me bleeding. She was like, you're getting blood all over the floor. I said, could you call my mom? You know, I'm, I'm hurting right now. And so I would go down there and I would spend my change and I would get my drink, you know, and then I would walk back. Home three miles and all of that for that, you know, that, that soda. And eventually the piggy bank runs out, you know, piggy bank runs out. By the way, that's a very simple thing for young people in him. If you have no income and you are spending, it goes away. Okay. Just, just letting you know, that's real, that's real simple. All right. And, uh, and eventually it, it, it did, it went away, but my thirst never went away. And so I was like, man, I am not going to get what I want here in my house. So, but back then there was something amazing. People did crazy, stupid stuff. They would actually drink a bottle of Coke. They would roll down their window and chuck the bottle on the side of the road. Anybody remember that? Some of them were like, all of, all of the people who are environmentally sensitive, they're like, <gasps> no. <laughs> No, it was a great, it was a great plan for me because I knew actually all I'd have to do is walk to the store. You know why? Because every bottle I found was 10 cents. It was 10 cents. And so I'd come walking in the store with all these dirty bottles and set them on the counter. Did anybody else do this? I was like, I set them on the counter. They're like, no, you're the only idiot that would do that for a Coke. And they set it down on the counter and the lady's like, Coke, right? Yeah, 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 Coke. Okay, and I'd set it down and, and she could count them up, you know, and I'm, I might get a dollar or a dollar twenty-five or a dollar fifty, you know, depending on how many I found that day. But I knew that I could find three, which is all that it would take for me to get a Coke because then a 16-ounce Coke in a glass bottle was 25 cents. It's a good day. And when I got a lot of bottles, I actually did something real country. Okay, we took salted peanuts and we would pour the salted peanuts in the Coke and it would fizz up and we'd drink them right out of the bottle. Some of y'all are going, huh? Listen, I lived across the street from a cow pasture. Okay, you know what that meant to me? A lot of Frisbees. Okay. (laughs) Just saying. But what, what, what you need to understand is I grew up with this mentality that what I, I could not trust my parents to get for me the things that I wanted. I grew up with that. That voice comes from a spirit called mammon. And how it appears in an adult's life is this way, especially a believer. A believer says, I cannot trust God to get me what I need, I need money. I need money. And here's, here's what I want you to, to understand about mammon. Mammon promise us, promises us things that only God can give us. Mammon 
This spirit that rests on money promises us things that only God can give us. Here's, here's how it sounds. If I had more money, I'd be more secure. If I had more money, I'd really, man, I would have a lot of respect and I'd really come into who I am. If I had more money, I'd have more freedom. Maybe, maybe you remember the, the, the sermon before that I, uh, I spoke on putting God first. That sounds a lot like Cain. God, I'll do what I want, when I want, whenever I want, with what you actually have asked me for. Said, I'd have more freedom. How about this one? If I had more money, I'd be happier. Now there is, listen, if, if somebody gives me a birthday card, and I notice it's a little thicker than the card. That's happy. I like that. I'm going to warn you, don't spend a lot on the card. I'm not reading it. Yes. 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 But the truth is, um, it really doesn't deliver. See, we hear things like, man, if I had more money, I, I, I would have a life of significance. Um. How about this one? If I had more money, I could help more people. All of that comes from a spirit of mammon. Because I want to tell you something. God is the only one that can give you identity. God is the only one that can give you freedom. God is the one that gives you happiness. God is the one that will give you a good marriage. God is the one that will give you a life of significance. And the only help for hurting humanity is God Himself. I'll prove it to you. How many times in the gospel, you don't need to be a real theologian to figure this one out. How many times in the gospel... Did someone come to Jesus and his answer to them was, you just need more money. Zero. Zero. But the spirit of mammon speaks to us. It is a spirit. It's actually the spirit of Antichrist that's actually coming on the whole earth. Did you know that it is not the fear of nuclear war that controls the the whole earth according to Revelation? Do you know what controls the, the whole earth? The fear of not being able to buy or sell. It's not nuclear war that stops everything. It's the influence of an antichrist spirit called mammon. Mammon is a spirit because it talks and we all hear it. It'll say things like this. If I give to that building fund over there to help the, you know, remodel over there and really sow into that. This is what it sounds like. I won't have enough. I, I, want, I want you to understand some things. I want you to understand. I'm all about budgeting. I'm all about being uh, very good with your money. But I, I want to tell you. The scripture says. My sheep know my voice. And another they will not follow. And if God says to you. Son, daughter. I want you to give. And another voice comes and says, you know, if you give that, you won't have enough. That voice is mammon. That voice is a spirit. Because to quote Heidi Baker, who wrote a book by this name, there's always enough. There's always enough in God. There's always enough. That's how big he is. That's how good he is. Now, some of us, do we need to come up in the area of faith in that area? Absolutely we do. And I think that's part of what this whole series is about. And you'll understand even more as we get through this message. Listen, if you've ever been that person that said, if I had more money, you could help more people. I want you to know it's God that helps people. 
And we could do more right now if we just stopped listening to that spirit called mammon. How many of you have ever said this? Let's be honest and don't raise your hand. We're facing something and this is what we say. I either need God to do something for me or I need more money. I need God to do something or I need more money. By the way, if the money comes, here's what we're saying. I don't need you, God. I don't need you, God. It's loyalty to a false God called mammon. We're like, okay, I got the money. Thanks anyway. See, I believe that God in this hour is crushing practical atheism from the church. And what I mean by that is this. We come to church, we believe that Jesus Christ died, that he was buried, and on the third day he was raised from the dead. We believe 50 days later that God sent his Holy Spirit on the earth. We're real good about that. But when we pray, we don't really believe that he'll move. Or when we're in need, we don't really believe that he'll supply You know what that is? That's practically, it's atheism. It's saying, I've got to do it or it won't happen. And I believe we're coming into a time and a season where where God is teaching us to lean on Him as the help. Now, second question is this. After we've answered what is mammon, let's answer this question. Is money evil? I mean, after all, we read it a couple of times in Luke 16 that it was called unrighteous mammon. All right? Is money evil? Let's look at 1 Timothy 6.10. And I want you to just, just to see this and to see it properly because over the years I've actually heard this verse quoted, misquoted many, many times. Verse 10 says this, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, or all evil, if you carry the King James. This is New King James. For which some, having strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Listen to that. The love of money is the root of all evil. Now, based upon what you've just learned, let me, let me just insert one word, and then you're gonna start to understand at a deeper level. For the love of mammon, the god of riches, is the root of all kinds of evil. Does anyone in here know what the highest and greatest commandment is upon which hang all the law and the prophets? Love the Lord your God with all the heart, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And here, this says that love that belongs to God is being placed on a spirit connected to money and riches and God says that's evil. That's evil. It's the love of Why would people stray from their faith by liking money? Why? Because they're actually loving a spirit which is a Syrian god of riches, a false god. Of course they're pierced through. They're worshiping another god. Now, the love of money, loving and serving mammon is the root of all evil. As you can imagine. Because as soon as I said loving a false god is evil, everybody in the room said, of course it is. Now, I want to show you something though about money itself. Go back to Luke 16. Luke 16. Verse 9. And this is what it says. Jesus talking. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. 
Now listen, this is a, a, a tough verse to understand. I kind of misunderstood it the first time. Maybe some of you are reading it going, oh man, I don't really understand what that means. It sounds like we're supposed to take money, bribe people, so that when things go bad for us, they'll be there for us. But that doesn't match the heart of God. That doesn't match anything else that we know about God. And it certainly doesn't match any of the other teachings about uh, about money that Jesus taught us. And so there must be something more in this that we don't really understand in our common language. Now, here's what this is saying. And this is actually amazing. The key to unlocking this verse is found in that one small word on the screen Fail. Fail means to die. <laughs> Fail means to die. Uh, wait, quick question. Can any of you take the money with you when you die? Alright, so we know you can't take the money with you when you die. So what in the world is this talking about in terms of finance? Here's what it means. You can take money right now and sow it into God's kingdom. So that when you die... And you enter into heaven. People. Friends you have made through your sowing into God's kingdom. Will greet you there. It says they may receive you into an everlasting home. That's talking about heaven. It's actually saying that when you sow into God's kingdom, when you support that missionary, when you support a church or a local church or an outreach, or you sow into supporting a child, as many people do, and feeding the hungry and doing all of those things, and those people give their lives to Christ as a result of your giving, it says those people are the ones that meet you at the gates of heaven and embrace you because you took money and you redeemed it and put it in God's hands. God took the money and turned it into a soul. We think when we get there... The only one we're going to see is Jesus. You also get to meet the great host of people that you got to influence by your giving into God's kingdom according to this scripture. So that when you sow into missions, it's not like, oh, well, whatever. Mm -mm. No, one day when I get there, now, I may have to push some of these people out of the way because I'm aggressively going after Jesus. I'll hug them quickly. All right. I'll talk to you later. We got like millennia. Okay. I'm going there. Okay. But I expect that I'll be greeted from people from Central America and South America and Africa. I expect that my giving to missions and my giving into this place, I bet there are people right here in Citrus County who are in the kingdom right now because of your giving and you've got no idea. Guess who's meeting you at the gates of heaven? God is the only one that can turn a dollar into souls. And why, as sons and daughters, would we ever want to miss out on that meeting. Take money and redeem it. It says use it to make friends by winning people to Christ through giving. They'll greet you and welcome you in heaven. Money is not evil. Money is neutral. And we get to decide what spirit rests on it and what it accomplishes while we're here on earth. Last thing is this. What should I do with my money. So what should I do. With my money. It's very simple. Be a good steward. Be a good steward. Write it down. Be a good steward. Honor God with the first. And steward the rest. 
Now, there may be some people in this room who feel this way. Pastor Otis, I really appreciate all these points you're making. But I have too little of this unrighteous mammon for, for this to make any difference in my life, okay? I don't have a lot of unrighteous mammon. So why do I need to hear this? I want to lovingly and politely, with all the love in my heart, actually say to you, um, you'll never have more of it if you keep that attitude. And we find out why in the scripture. Luke 16.10 says this, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least, he is also unjust in much. I want to make this bold statement. God doesn't give much until he finds a good steward. God is looking for a good steward. He is looking for us to return what belongs to God and then to steward the rest. He gives a little and then blesses with more according to this scripture. God, listen to me church, you got to get faith in this because this is what the scripture says. God will bless a good steward. God will bless a good steward. I am coming against the mammon spirit that has been... I mean, raping the body of Christ, a financial blessing. God will bless a good steward. Do not believe a lying spirit that he won't do it for me because my parents were poor and their parents were poor and we didn't have enough. Listen, God will bless a good steward. I want to, I want you to look at verse 12. Luke 16, 12, it says, And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Now, there is a very practical principle there. By the way, if you are working for someone else, you are working for another man. That's why, in the very practical sense, Christians ought to work very diligently on their job. To be faithful with what's another man, so God will bless you with something of your own. That's a principle in God's word. You say, but they're an unbelievable. It uh, it doesn't matter what they are. It matters who you are. But I wonder if we could apply this same principle to the tithe. You see, the tithe actually belongs to God. It belongs to him. And this scripture says, if we're not faithful with what is another's, then we won't be blessed with something that's our own. Here's here's the picture that I believe, this is my personal conviction about what the tithe looks like. If somebody comes to me and says, Pastor Otis, I'd really like to borrow your truck. I say, okay, how long do you need? I need it for three days. I say, okay, all right, here's my truck. You can have it for three days. And I take my truck and they're driving it. They're using it. They're doing everything they want to with it. Um, uh, but, you know, they, uh, you know, after three days, they come up to my door and they knock on the door and I answer the door and they say, hey, Pastor Otis, I've really been praying and God has so spoken this to me. I want to give you this truck. You, you, you want what? I want to give you this truck. That, that's my truck. You want to give me my truck? A lot of us say the exact same thing. I really need to pray about whether or not I should return what belongs to God. You pray, please. (laughs) Please pray. But you don't have to. 
Just, just do it. Because God says, if you'll be faithful with what is another's, that is, that if we'll be faithful to return what is his, he says, I'll give you whatever you need of your own. By the way, I don't believe that God is against you having a nice car. I believe if you're faithful to return what belongs to him and you're a good steward, God would love for you to have a nice car. Debt free, by the way. And if you'll come to Financial Peace University starting on April 15th, Dave Ramsey will teach you a way that how in a few years you could have a really, really nice car with no debt on it. God doesn't want us confused about finances. Dave Ramsey is the, he is such a great voice to the church right now in the area of finance. He actually educates you and gives you a real, real well-rounded biblical approach to finances. If your finances are not in order, you need to get them in order so that God can bless you. And we have a preview meeting April 13th and it starts on the um, April 15th. Buy the kit. Do it together. Husbands, don't just say, I'm going to send my wife. Do it together because (laughs) Dave Ramsey understands that that happens. And then he makes us have little powwows and meetings. It's really good that men don't want to go to. The men are like, oh, whatever. I just gave her the checkbook. No, you're going to get on the same page and God will change your finance and you will be able to give like you have never given before when you get an understanding about finance. If you haven't been through Financial Peace University, I highly recommend it. It is awesome. He'll take you step by step by step right through what to do. The tithe belongs to God. There's really only two choices, by the way, when it comes to tithing, what we can do with it. We can either steal it or return it. We can steal it or we can return it. But it's my opinion you can never give it. It belongs to him. I want to say this just to sum all of this up. Luke 16, 11. It's one of the most telling verses, I believe, in this whole study today on breaking the spirit of mammon of why we've got to get a handle on finance. It says this, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? I want to let you know something. True riches are people. True riches are souls. True riches are people. And he says, if you as a son or a daughter are not faithful with money, he says, why would I commit people to you? You can't handle money. Now, is this the only thing? No, but it is one of the things that I believe there's going to come a wave of grace over the church to finally submit money to the Lord. And you know what follows behind it? God committing to the church of America true riches. We've been praying and asking God for revival in America. We've been asking, but we haven't been submitting our checkbooks to Him. He's actually saying, I want to give you an awakening. I want to give you a revival of souls. But be faithful in money. Submit this area to Him. Let me transform every dollar into a soul. And I'll give you true riches. It's one of the things that God wants to unlock in our hearts. You cannot serve God and money. I want revival more than anything. So when I got born again, I said, God, you can have my car. You can have my job. You can have everything. Because in light of who you are, this means nothing to me. And I want to say to you today, have you ever had an encounter with Jesus that left you feeling that way over your wallet. If not, there is more to get to know about him because he is greater than that spirit that rests on money. He is greater and he is worth far more. People are true riches. Um, One day I'm going to have the good pleasure 
of giving away three of the most precious gifts that were ever given to me as a father. I have three daughters and two sons. And one day I'll walk them down an aisle by God's grace. And someone's going to ask me who gives this woman to be married to this man. And reluctantly, I will say, her mother. And I. Um, and um, as a pastor, uh, I, um, I understand that there's something I should check first. The tithe record. No joke. No joke. Now, am I going to our bookkeeper to check the tithe record? No, I'm going to look him right in the eye. And I'm prophetic. (laughs) And if he says, well, I've been kind of hit and miss on that. Well, you're going to be kind of hit and miss on this relationship too, bud. A lot more miss. You know why? I can't trust him with true riches. Because he hasn't learned how to handle unrighteous mammon. And if God wouldn't do it, I don't think I'm going to either. Welcome to my daughter's world. (laughs) But you know what? When the right one comes, he'll be submitted in every area to God. And that stuff won't be hanging on his life. And let me tell you right now, sons and daughters of the house... Young people in the house, you start making putting God first right now. Your babysitting, you sow into God's kingdom. You put him first. You've got your job, you put him first. Do it now. That way, when your money increases, it won't be a big deal. Do it now. All the other sons and the daughters of the house, I want to tell you this. Put God first. Do it now. Break the spirit of mammon off of your life and let's see the greatest revival this nation has ever seen. Come. God wants to do something amazing. And I believe the church has got to get the right heart in the area of money. Because God, he, he will not let us preach about two gods. One with our mouth and one with our lives. He is God of all. And his name is Jealous. And he is good beyond measure and deserves it all. And we're going to see this spirit of mammon broken off of our lives. And I believe we're going to see the greatest season of increase that we ever have as a result. Increase in souls. Increase in what belongs to us now because we were faithful in small and then God gave us much. We were faithful with another man's and then God gave us some of our own. We were faithful with unrighteous mammon and God gave us true riches. People, souls for the kingdom. Let's bow our heads. I want you to ask the Lord. Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? You talk to him. What are you speaking to me? People are in all kinds of different positions here today. You're in different places in your walk with God. I can't pretend that everybody would be in the same place here. Some of you are here today because somebody gave, built a building, paid for lights. Somebody gave. You're here today and you need to be the one that responds to the love of God. You see, God gave an offering of His Son. It was His firstborn Jesus was the first fruits offering 
of God. He gave his highest and best gift that we might come back into relationship with him. And I'm going to tell you today, he's a gift. He paid the price. All we have to do is receive that gift. And if you're not right with God here today, it is very simple. It's repent. It's turn to Him. I make it very simple. The scriptures say in Romans that all who call upon the name of the Lord, they'll be saved. You need to call on God. If you're not right with Him, you don't have a relationship with Him, you need to call on Him. You need to admit that you're a sinner. You need to believe He that God gave Him as a gift to die on the cross for you. And that on the third day, he was raised from the dead. You need to confess him as your Lord and Savior over every area of your life. I make you boss. That's what Lord means. You should just do that right now, right where you're sitting. But I believe that there's a bunch of people in the room who've been tormented by this spirit called mammon. And it's led to worry, doubt. Some of you are sick with worry over finance. And I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, right now, I come against the spirit of mammon, God, that has been, Lord, robbing your people. Lord, today we break the spirit of mammon off of people's lives. And God, I pray that they would get violent in the way that they love you. Violent in the way that they give to you. Violent in the way that they surrender all to you. God, we make a, a bold declaration that there will no longer be a high place called Mammon at Calvary Church. There will no longer be a place That is untouchable by you, God. We are pulling down that high place, God, of that voice that robs us of joy, of that voice that robs us of peace. We come against that spirit of mammon, and we command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to come off finances in Jesus' name and come off people's hearts and spirits in Jesus' name. And I speak blessing over you and joy over you and fullness of heart, fullness to give, Fullness to believe. Fullness of faith to see God always provide more than enough. I bless you. And I confer upon you the blessing of this house. I bless you. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, every time Lord, we hear that spirit that tries to keep us back and keep us Lord, from doing something you're calling us to do, God, let us squash it under our feet. May it just be just absolutely demolished under the weight of your love for us and the knowledge of your heart. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you, Lord, that you are getting things in order in this house and and in homes individually. Father, I thank you. And we give you glory. Father, now I pray, Lord, such a wonderful day of rest upon my brothers and sisters. May they go out from this house, Lord, be blessed in your presence and return in the power of your spirit. I pray this today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen.